Welcome to the new episode of American Hauntings, the podcast dedicated to the history, hauntings, legends, and lore of America's past. Show is hosted and produced by Cody Beck and written and performed by Troy Taylor. That's me. And we are now in our fourth season, Haunted New Orleans. If you're tuning into the podcast for the first time, we suggest you start listening to the Haunted New Orleans season with episode 53, which is where this season begins and where we set the stage for the many dark tales ahead. In each episode of the season, we'll be revealing the history, mystery, spirits, scandals, and sins of New Orleans, a city we believe is the most haunted in America. So fluff up the pillows, turn down the bed, but don't bother double-checking the lock on the door because the ghosts are already in the room with you. New Orleans is a city that is known for being out of the ordinary. People come to New Orleans in search of the unusual, which includes the unique history, often bizarre customs, local cuisine, famous drinks, and the unusual inns and hotels. Sure, you can stay in a French Quarter version of a chain hotel and feel like you've stopped off at some anonymous exit along the interstate in Kansas, or you could even stay in some fancy high-rise hotel across Canal in the old American Quarter, but why would you? There are dozens and dozens of old historic hotels, inns, and mansions that have been turned into bed and breakfasts and guest houses in the French Quarter, and all of them have the kind of atmosphere that you won't find in any other city in America. And out of those dozens of hotels, you'll find that a very high percentage of them offer something else that you won't find in a faceless chain hotel somewhere. You have the chance to sleep alongside the non-paying guests, those who checked in and, well, have never checked out. In this episode, we're going to take a look at some of New Orleans' most haunted hotels. There's no way to list them all. There's just simply too many. But this should give you an idea of some places to stay the next time you're in the city and would like the chance to sleep with the dead. One of the most charming of the guest houses in the French Quarter is the Lafitte Guest House, named for the pirate that was the subject of one of our earlier episodes. It's located at the quiet end of Bourbon Street. And yes, such a thing does exist. The ambience of the place, which was a Creole family mansion built in 1849 and is now divided into 14 rooms, is a perfect escape from the often maddening crowds of the French Quarter. When you step inside, it's like going back in another time, and some say that residents from those earlier times still linger behind. There are a couple of variations to the haunting, but one story claims the resident ghost is that of an original lady of the house for whom the house was built more than a century and a half ago. Another tale claims that a woman who lost her two daughters here many years ago haunts a particular room. Apparently one of the girls perished from yellow fever and the other, unable to cope with the loss of her sister, ended her own life. Their ghostly mother is said to still cry for her children. Over the years, many guests have encountered a presence in the house and have heard the sounds of a woman weeping, have heard footsteps in empty rooms, and have felt chilling hands touching them in the night as if searching for something or someone who's been lost. The Andrew Jackson Hotel is a small hotel located on Royal Street and built on a site that has an interesting and haunted history. During the years of Spanish rule, it was used as a boarding house and orphanage for boys who had lost their parents to yellow fever. The fires that consumed much of New Orleans around this time burned down the boarding school with five of the young boys inside. After the Louisiana Purchase, it served as the first U.S. District Court for the territory. In 1815, after the Battle of New Orleans, General Andrew Jackson was actually tried in this courthouse. When he arrived in New Orleans to defend it from the British, he declared martial law as a military defense. After the battle, though, he waited several months to lift it. When a senator expressed his unease about the order, Jackson had him arrested. A judge ruled that the senator should be released, so Jackson had the judge put in jail, too. When Jackson eventually lifted the martial law, the judge was released and charged Jackson with contempt of court to the tune of $1,000, which Jackson did pay. 
The courthouse was torn down and the current building took its place in 1890. It now operates as a historic hotel and one that is haunted. The ghosts are believed to be the boys who died in the fire many years ago. Many guests have reported hearing the sounds of boisterous children at play in the hotel and in the courtyard, even though this is mostly an adults-only hotel, as those who have complained about the noise have discovered. At least one of the spirits is known for sometimes pushing guests out of bed. The staff has nicknamed him Armand, but mostly it's the sounds people hear. It's the laughter, the running footsteps, and even an occasional blood-curdling scream. Like most hotels in the French Quarter, the Andrew Jackson admits to being haunted and invites skeptical guests to come and check out the place for themselves. Next door to the Andrew Jackson Hotel on Royal Street is the house with the famous Cornstalk Fence and the Cornstalk Hotel. The fence is one of those must-see spots for tourists in the French Quarter. It's a wrought iron fence that was made to look like a row of corn and it's built straight across the front of the property. The house was built for Judge Francois Xavier Martin, but the well-known fence is said to have come along years later. According to legend, it was cast by a man who brought a young bride from Iowa to live in New Orleans. To lessen her loneliness for the waving fields of corn back home, he had the iron replica made so that when she looked out from the front gallery of the house, she might see something that reminded her of Iowa. Apparently, she thought this was a good thing. Uh, the house does have another claim to fame. Legend has it that author Harriet Beecher Stowe once stayed at the house and her visit to the New Orleans slave markets inspired her to write the novel that some say helped start the Civil War, Uncle Tom's Cabin. From 1816 to 1826, Judge Martin lived in the house with only a servant for company. The eccentric and reclusive judge eventually went blind, even though he was still known to wander the streets of the French Quarter, frequently getting lost. Some believe it may be the judge's ghost who haunts this house, blundering into guest rooms, unsure of where he may be. Guests who have stayed at this mansion turned in say they have often heard footsteps in empty hallways and unoccupied rooms. They've also been awakened in the middle of the night by water faucets turning on, doors opening and closing, and the feeling of someone stumbling into bed with them. In every case, luckily, because a ghost would be preferable to a stranger, they find there is no one visible in the room. The Olivier House, which used to be a private mansion on Toulouse Street, was built in 1838 by Marie Anne Olivier, the widow of the distinguished planner Nicholas Godfrey Olivier. Marie had married her husband, who was twice her age when she was only 16, and they had nine children together before he died. She never remarried and devoted her life to managing their plantation and raising 12 children, including three from her husband's earlier marriage. By 1836, she had 50 grandchildren and was the matriarch of one of the most influential families in the city. Her oldest son, Jean-Baptiste, built her the magnificent home in New Orleans. Marie died in 1843, and two years later, the house was sold to Félix Labateau. In 1859, the French Opera House was built next door, making the Olivier Mansion one of the most prestigious addresses in town, and so the Opera House was eventually destroyed by fire. The mansion, though, was saved. By the late 1850s, the house was owned by Elizabeth Lacoe, who also owned a plantation near the city. She kept the house as her New Orleans address during the social season. Eventually, she retired to the city and left the management of the plantation to her children. But during the Civil War, the house was occupied by Union soldiers and was badly damaged during their occupancy. However, Elizabeth regained the house at the end of the war, renovated it, and remained there until her death in 1895. Although, well, some say she's never left at all. In 1965, the house was turned into a hotel, and guests who have stayed at the Olivier House have often been startled to encounter lingering spirits of the past. According to accounts, they've seen not only a woman in antebellum-era clothing, but a man in a federal military uniform. He is, most believe, a specter from the days of the Union occupation of the house. The most famous resident ghost, though, is the spectral woman in black who wanders about the house and endlessly repeats the rosary. Many witnesses believe she is simply another, although pretty strange, guest until she vanishes before their eyes. The woman in black is believed, of course, to be the ghost of Elizabeth Lacoe, who spent the longest time in the house. She was known for being a devout Catholic, which explains the rosary, and her attachment to the house was well known in the city, which is perhaps why she has refused to leave the place, even after death. 
The Florida-Lee Mansion is a Greek Revival-style house that dates back to the 1820s when the Soleys, one of New Orleans' founding families, bought the property. Legends say the house was used as a brothel in the early 1900s, although no evidence of this has been found. It may be just another story in a city where, once being a brothel, well, as a claim to fame, it is New Orleans after all. Despite its history, the mansion had fallen into disrepair by the 1990s and was often used by homeless people as a place to get out of the weather. Camping in what is now called the Red Room, they survived the winter months by building fires inside the house. Well, in 2008, one of the fires got out of hand and gutted a large part of the building. As luck would have it, though, most of the structure survived, and when new owners bought the property a few years later, they began restoring the mansion to its former glory. Today, the Florida Lee is a bed and breakfast, yet the ghosts of the past remain. In the River Suite, guests have seen doors open and close on their own. In the Red Room, guests have reported awakening in the middle of the night to see a man standing at the foot of the bed watching them sleep. The apparition always vanishes as soon as the guest wakes up and acknowledges it. In the Florida Lee Suite, voices have often been heard, although no one can make out the words they're saying. The Hotel Provincial, located on Charter Street, attracts guests from all over the country. One of them wrote, quote, This is a great place, a perfect location and beautiful. It is haunted, believe me. I saw the ghost of a Confederate soldier, but if that doesn't bother you, this is the only place I would ever stay in New Orleans. But the haunting here is easily understood when one realizes that the Royal Military Hospital once occupied the hotel grounds. During the Civil War, it was used as a hospital for soldiers. The part of the present-day hotel that is referred to as Building 5 was a ward for critically ill and maimed men. The trauma endured by these men has apparently left a lasting impression behind. Staff members and guests have told of encounters with ghostly men on crutches, spectral doctors and surgeons, and even bloodstains that mysteriously appear and then vanish. It's not uncommon for the housekeeping staff to enter a room and see blood-stained sheets on the bed, only to look again a few moments later and see there is nothing out of the ordinary about the room at all. In addition, disembodied voices and inexplicable groans have been heard in empty hallways and seemingly from inside the walls. Doors open and shut on their own and mysterious cold spots move about. So if you're looking for a very haunted New Orleans destination, this hotel might be just the place for you to test your nerve. A former brothel, the Dauphin Orleans, boasts more than its share of paranormal activity. A number of the original buildings here date back to 1775, including what's called the Audubon Cottage, where artist John James Audubon painted his Birds of America in 1821. That structure is now used as the main meeting room for the hotel. While Audubon is not rumored to be lingering at the place, a number of other early residents are still said to be residing in various parts of the hotel. One such location is May Bailey's, the hotel bar, where the apparition of a man in a white suit and hat has been reported on many occasions. The ghost is said to be responsible for knocking books off shelves in the lounge library, along with a number of other pranks. Another haunted spot is Suite 111, located above the bar. In this room, objects are known for moving about on their own, and guests have reported the spirit of a black man who's been nicknamed George. It's said that when guests forget to lock their doors, the ghost takes care of it for them, making sure that everything is secure. Suite 110 is home to a ghost that doesn't seem to like guests. Occasionally, the door refuses to open even though it's unlocked. The window curtains are often violently pulled aside early in the morning, and the covers are sometimes yanked from the bed. The housekeeping staff seems to bear the brunt of his eerie pranks, the most common being turning off all the lights in the room while they're trying to clean. The building that now holds the Columns Hotel was built in 1883 by wealthy tobacco merchant Simon Hershine. Over the years, it served as a private residence, an upscale boarding house, and is now one of the finest small hotels in New Orleans. In the middle 1970s, it was used for the filming of the movie Pretty Baby with Brooke Shields and has gained a reputation as one of the most haunted hotels in the city. The ghost that lingers here is believed to be Simon Hershine, the original owner. Distraught over the premature death of his beloved wife, he simply fell apart, rarely leaving his home. Eventually, he also died, but his spirit is said to haunt his former mansion, still mourning his lost love. He's been encountered hundreds of times over the years, and the description of the ghost given by guests perfectly matches the former owner. 
There have also been reports of voices in the building, inexplicable crashing sounds, and even an apparition of a mournful woman in white has been seen, but only outside. She has been reported staring sadly at the hotel before fading away. Some believe perhaps this is the spirit of Mrs. Hermsheim, who may have returned to look for her husband's ghost, but for some reason is unable to go inside the building that used to be her home. The Hotel Monteleon is located on Royal Street, very close to my favorite breakfast place in the French Quarter, Café Beignet. The hotel is one of the last great family-owned hotels in America. It's been operated by four generations of the Monteleon family since 1886. Tennessee Williams, Truman Capote, and William Faulkner, all of whom I think popped up sometimes as ghosts in our last episode, all lived at the hotel. Capote even told people he was born there, but he probably wasn't. But these residents did convince the Friends of the Libraries organization to name the Monteleone a literary landmark. On the roof is the hotel's famous carousel bar, which slowly revolves above the city. But the hotel also has a designation. It's home to at least a dozen ghosts. For years, staff members and guests have reported apparitions in the hallways, ghosts opening and closing doors, hiding the soap, and generally making a nuisance out of themselves. Among the personalities believed to linger here are a man named William Windmere, who died in the hotel, the ghost of a jazz singer, a naked man in a Mardi Gras mask, which I'd be happy not to encounter, and a man who died and allegedly returned to the hotel as the spirit of a 10-year-old boy who plays hide-and-seek with another ghostly child. Yes, it's a pretty wide assortment of haunts, but a hotel like this one, with the thousands of guests it's seen over the years, probably tens, maybe hundreds of thousands of guests over the years, it's bound to have a pretty colorful group of ghosts who want to still call it home. The Hotel Villa Convento, near the Ursuline Convent, was built as a Creole townhouse, but was later used as a bordello, which legend claims is the House of the Rising Sun from the famous song. Well, that's probably not true, but I do know that it was an apartment building for a while and that Jimmy Buffett lived there during his time playing music in the Bourbon Street clubs. The house was built around 1833 on land that was purchased by the Ursuline nuns, and the first owner was Jean-Baptiste Pofer, who commissioned the actual construction. His widow sold the place 10 years later to Octave Voorhees, who lost the property during the economic depression that followed the Civil War. In 1902, it was sold again to Pasquale Terramina, who owned it until his death in 1946. After that, it was converted into a rooming house with a succession of different owners until 1981, when the Campo family bought it and turned it into a bed and breakfast. Since that time, scores of guests have encountered the resident ghost of the building, a former brothel madam who makes it a point to knock on guest room doors every 20 minutes, as she often did in life, letting her girls know that their time was up with the visiting client. She's often been seen by guests and staff members who describe her late 19th century clothing. And then there's the ghost music. Many report that late at night, if you listen closely, you can hear the unearthly notes of Margaritaville in the courtyard. Okay, I made that last part up. Anyway, for our last story, I'm going to break my rules and take you across Canal Street to Le Pavilion Hotel, mostly just because I like the story so much. The site of the current hotel has been many different things, including a railroad station and a performance hall for circuses, before becoming a luxury hotel in 1907. The hotel has many old world charms, from French marble floors to railings imported from the Parisian Grand Hotel, but I have to tell you, it's definitely a place for those who have a lot of money to spend. For instance, if you want to spend some of that money, you can stay in Suite 730, which is home to a marble bathtub that was once owned by Napoleon Bonaparte. It's one of only three in the world. The others are in a private collection and in the Louvre in Paris. The ghosts at this hotel, though, didn't have to be imported. The most regularly spotted spirit is a woman named Ada, a teenage girl who was reportedly set to board a ship with her family when she was killed by a runaway carriage. The hotel staff often sees her wandering in the lobby, often crying, wearing a black dress, a long black shawl, and wearing a black hat. More than once, she's literally bumped into guests saying to them, pardon me, I'm very lost. Before they can offer to help, though, she vanishes. 
Other guests have reported a wealthy-looking couple who usually appears on the second, third, or fourth floors, dressed in clothing from the 1920s. They're always holding hands and walking toward the elevators. The man smokes a cigar, and many have reported the pungent smoke lingering in the air. Throughout the hotel, guests have heard strange noises, have seen their bed pressed down as if someone invisible was sitting on it, or have had ghosts speak to them and touch them. And there is one other story linked to Le Pavilion Hotel. According to a cab driver, he picked up a young woman from the hotel on a cold and rainy night, and she asked to be taken to a passenger ship terminal. After he'd only driven a few blocks from the hotel, she disappeared from the back seat into thin air. He couldn't explain it. He'd felt sure she was a real person. He looked at her in the rearview mirror and he'd seen the doorman open the door for her as she left the hotel. Well, not knowing what else to do, the cab driver went straight back to the hotel and told the doorman what had happened. He thought the doorman would be surprised, but instead he just shrugged. I don't know what to tell you, he said. That happens to a lot of cab drivers here. So I couldn't let this place go because, well, as a lot of you know, I'm always a sucker for a vanishing hitchhiker story. Have you ever wanted to learn a new language? And I don't mean like spells or incantations to trap spirits, you weirdos. I mean like a new language that could help you start communicating with more people on this plane today. Then I need to tell you about Rosetta Stone. Look, you know the brand, you know the name. They have the expertise and a 30-year legacy, which makes them more qualified than ever to help you learn a new language today. They've helped millions of people build the fluency and confidence to speak new languages. Now, this is the part where Troy would tell me that I made some kind of grammatical error, but he's not here right now, so like, I don't know, it's like speaking tongues. Rosetta Stone focuses on speaking practice for real-life scenarios to get you ready for real conversations with real people. Or maybe you can even learn how to use some different types of Ouija boards. I don't know. Either way, Rosetta Stone can help you learn faster and retain your new language better. Honestly, Rosetta Stone really would have come in handy for season four of New Orleans because I know we butchered some of those French names and I apologize once again. Now you all know I have a nine to five job when I'm not at the podcast factory and Rosetta Stone actually helped me not make a total fool out of myself while I was in Brazil interviewing celebrities. Obrigado. And now I want to help you. So don't put off learning that new language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, American Hauntings podcast listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today today. Rosetta Stone, how language is learned. Wait, by the way, Troy, like where do words come from? Hey, no, don't, 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 don't walk away. Oh, Troy, where do words Sync it up, no cool. problem. Okay. Um, okay, are you good to go? Sure. Yeah, no, I'm ready. I'm ready when you're ready. All right, let's just let's just see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, here we go. Thanks for tuning into the American Hauntings Podcast, the show where we discuss history, hauntings, legends, lore, and the dark side of American history. We are now in the middle of season four of the podcast, Haunted New Orleans. I'm your co-host, Cody Beck, and with me is my co-host, author, historian, crime buff, and the founder of American Hauntings, Troy Taylor. Hey. <laughs> how are you? I, I have you know, no idea this, how you are, actually, because I cannot weird. see you. This is I know. super weird. Um, we should probably tell everybody this is the first episode we've ever recorded where we're not in the same room, ever. Um, it's also the first recording that we've done since the virus broke out. And I know you guys are thinking, but we've been in quarantine for the last four years. I know it does seem like that, doesn't it? But actually, Cody and I had a bunch of them in the can uh, before this 
any of this ever started. And so we haven't seen each other since the beginning of March. And uh, that's when we Man. recorded, a, I know, a bunch of episodes. And now we're finally caught up and now we're, we're dealing with this. And, you know, we're, I think, through the worst of it at this point. Uh, but we're still locked down at least until the end of May. We are here. So, um, you know, I know you guys know that a lot of our events have been postponed. We haven't had to cancel much, mostly just tours, but events have been postponed until later in the year. And But as of this recording, the Haunted America Conference is still happening. Um, as far as we know, it's still from where we are right now, it's still two months away. So, we're feeling good about it. I mean, things are going to be a little bit different this year. I mean, what isn't, <laughs> right? right? I mean, everything's right. going to be different. Even when you go back into your regular office, I'm sure things were, are going to be different, at least for a while. Eventually, we'll get back to, it may not ever be the same as it ever was, but it'll be a little bit more normal, um, you know, down the road a little bit. I think at first it's going to be very weird. The conference will, you know, is assuming that we're having it. And at this point, I feel good about the fact that we will be. Um, it will be a little different. We are not going to have as many people or as many vendors. So we'll have a lot more space this year. So when the, the word is finally out, we'll probably only have about 40 tickets left available. Um, and that's going to be, um, that'll be it. And then we'll have to, We'll have to keep it a smaller, a little smaller group this year. It'll still be fun. It'll still be a great conference, but it's going to be weird. A lot of stuff is weird, including yeah, our, I, our trip to New Orleans, which we're not taking. I know. <laughs> we I know. talked so about, that. about that. I know I'd listen to the podcast and hear us talk about, oh, yeah, and we're going down there this summer. And I'm like, damn it. No, we're not. I know. So, yeah. I know. I went yeah. through and like edited that one. And I like, I almost did like a disclaimer at the beginning of like, hey, we recorded this a long time ago. And <laughs> I, I was like, I don't even want to do it. Like people will get it. I know. We, we probably I, could. We could have gone in and done that. But, you know. It's just depressing. Yeah, yeah, it is. You're right. It's depressing. So I appreciate people, you know, sticking with us. And as we try to figure out the remote recording stuff, it might be a little weird at first, but I think we'll make it work. Yeah, um, and but hopefully you, it you, won't be too long. So Right, right. Know. But uh, you, I mean, you've been in quarantine, but you've been a, you've been a yeah. busy dude, man. What, what, <laughs> yeah. what have you been, what have you yeah. been doing? I, um, well, I, I, you know, I had a book come out in um, April called Taking Up Serpents, that, and I'd been talking about that one for a while. So that one had already been in the works, but it became a quarantine release last month. And then um, while I've been locked in quarantine, I wrote an entire other book. <laughs> so, and it actually, um, it just came out, this will be on, this will be, you guys will be listening to this on the 5th, just came out this past weekend, called Victims of the Axe Fiend. And I know you guys listened to an entire season we did on Velisca, but this is a completely different story, a separate story about other axe murders. Because, I mean, you know, there are a lot of axe murders. We talked about that back when we were doing the Velisca season. There are a lot of axe murders in America in the early 1900s. And this was a string of them committed by, uh, almost all of them committed by a lone killer who, who ki actually killed at least... 45 men, women, and children, and yet no one ever talks about Damn. it. Right. No one ever talks about it. It's one of those kind of almost forgotten stories of this crime spree that went on for like two and a half years, and they never caught the guy. Just murder after murder after murder. And um, a lot of weird um, religious posing and all kinds of... This was a completely different kind of crime than what we talked about in our season uh, on those axe murders. Um, and I've had a lot of people ask me, well, why have we never heard of this? And I, well, the reason why is because every single victim um, in, in these murders of those 45 people that were killed, all of them were African-American, every single one. This killer targeted black families in the early 1900s in Louisiana and Texas. So, you know, this was a time period when African-Americans were definitely second-class citizens. And so the story just never caught on and never stuck around. You know, we, we've been talking about, people have been talking about Velisca for, well, since it happened. And it's never really stopped, you know, but yet this case is, you know, has the, you know, the problem of that all of the victims were black. 
and it's made a huge difference. Right. And that's that's become kind of an important part of the book as to why we're not talking about it and possibly why it was never solved. But it was a it was a story that I had been wanting to work on for a long time. Um, it was kind of tough getting material for it because there aren't any records. You know, all we have are these really sensational newspaper reports. So I had to try to get beyond that that stuff as best I could. So anyway, it's a fun book. Or fun book. Um, fun, 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 fun for our crowd, I guess. <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah. it was a lot of it was a lot of fun to write, um, and uh, I hope people like it. Um, it's, um, I mean, it's taken off really well so far. But I mean, so this is the first day <laughs> that it's been on sale. But if you didn't see it, check it out. Take a look at the website. Um, we also we've added some events for July and August. Um, and we'll probably start posting our fall events next month, um, you know, assuming that we're going to, this is not the apocalypse and we will have events in July and August in the fall. Uh, but you can go to AmericanHauntings.net and find all that stuff in the book and, you know, all that jazz. So Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to checking that one out because I haven't had any axe nightmares in, you know, uh, six Man. months or so. Yeah, but, so I'm, I'm overdue. nightmares, though. That's the, you know, at some point we got to talk about this more. I, I don't know what's going on, but I don't think I've had a good night's sleep since this all started. I mean, I, I, I mm-hmm. one day I, I got a hold of Cody like last week and I said, hey, just wanted to check on you and make sure you're okay. Last night I had this like vivid nightmare that you jumped off a building. Um, I mean, yeah. I did. It was, oh, I mean, man. I could see it. I could see you going over the ledge and falling to the street. I mean, I can still remember this and I don't remember my dreams, man. It's um, very mm-hmm. strange, but I've had lots and lots of weird dreams and I, I wouldn't even call them all nightmares. They're just so vivid and so weird. And I've read a couple of articles that, you know, it's happening because we're, you know, we're, we're not, we're social distanced to the point that we're not interacting with people. And so this interaction that we need comes out in our sleep. But, you know, and I was thinking, well, yeah, but I don't, you know, I don't really spend that much time with people. I mean, I spend most of my days by myself working and stuff. So, and the people that I do am around, I'm still around. Um, But, you know, but then I say that, but then I realize, wait a minute, you're not going and speaking at these dinners. You're not doing tours. I mean, all the stuff that I was doing like every weekend or every other weekend. Now I'm not doing any of it. Maybe that's yeah. the, maybe that's the answer. I don't know, but man, it's been it's just been a weird, weird couple of months. Yeah, that's interesting, and it make it makes sense. But it it makes sense as well as to why I'm not having too many crazy dreams because I wasn't seeing too many people before. Yeah, anyway. right, right. So my life my life hasn't changed <laughs> yeah, that dramatically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I forgot you messaged me about that that yeah, dream. So that is weird, oh, that's crazy. Yeah, so strange. So. Uh, well, you know, we, well, we can move yeah, yeah. on let's, to, uh, let's to happier a things. Than you jumping off a building, please. So yeah, we we have some oh, some good. listener reviews. Uh, people well, people have still been really really vocal. Um, you know, I'm mean, I think I was kind of worried about what the podcast numbers would be like since like routines right, are changing. You know, people aren't yeah. driving to work and stuff. Um, but but people seem to be listening and they're cool. still they're still giving us good reviews. So this first one uh, is titled "Such a Well Researched Podcast." It says, "I just found the podcast. I think I possibly saw you guys on a list, and I truly enjoy it. I'm a history nerd. I actually run a local history museum in my town, and I'm a shameless true crime junkie. And like most folks, I love a good ghost story. So you guys hit all my favorites. I enjoy Cody's questions for clarification, and really appreciate that Troy does so much research. Thank you guys for all that you do. And that's from cool. Khog78. Yeah. So thank you very much for that." for that review. Um, just a couple more here. This one's titled one of my favorites says this really feeds my natural love of history and curiosity of the unknown. That's solely 50 H H H. Thank you. That's, that's why I do this too, because I get to talk <laughs> about weird stuff and learn something at the same time. So, um, I'm right there with you. And then this last one is titled, this is the best overall podcast out there. This wonderful podcast checks five stars in every category that matters. Never stop with the well-researched, well-narrated, well-spoken, highest quality, most entertaining, historical, and paranormal <laughs> podcast. Seriously, please don't stop. Yeah, please don't stop. Y'all are keeping me sane. And yeah, so that's yeah. that's why I wanted to include that one, because I do hope that we're able to provide some sort of, I don't want to yeah. say normalcy, because that's not right, but it's just a... a uh, a, a break from the terrible reality yeah, into like we, a different to, terrible yeah, reality because we usually talk about to, morbid to things. It, you know, keep up with the, the schedule. You know, um, we we tried that at Christmas and we realized yeah. it was a bad idea. But 
any other time, I think it's a good idea yep. to keep things on a regular basis, especially now. We, we, we need stuff we can count on. And, you know, we're going to have podcasts out. You know, I, I got on, uh, you know, I, I got on, I had people get on me, hey, you know, are we missing our bonus episodes from Patreon? And so I just sat down and just recorded a bunch of them. And then Cody put some together too. So we're good on that. And we, we can't let things slip you know, just because the rest of the world seems to be. Right. So, yeah. Right. And I mean, yeah, we did take a couple, take a couple weeks to like, you know, like everybody, uh-huh. I think just scrambling to like figure out what, what does this mean? How right. are we going to pay for this, do that? And, but now I think I'm, yeah. we're, we're back in better places. So the Patreon content should be uh, good to go. No hiccups there. And we should still be putting out episodes regularly. So yeah, just uh, so thanks too. for bearing with us, but I think we're, we're getting back on track. Sure. Yeah. Let's get going. Awesome. Were you ready to dive in? All right. So you mentioned there are dozens and dozens of old historic hotels, inns and mansions that have been turned into bed and breakfasts and guest houses in the French Quarter. And all of them have a kind of atmosphere that you won't find in any other city in America. And we're going to go through some of these. And um, I would add, like, I'm sure you're going to do this anyway. But as we go through these, if there, if you have personal stories oh, sure, that you sure, didn't sure. feel like you'd, you could include in the monologue, you know, please stop me and let me know because I'm I'm sure you got some other stuff to add. Uh, so this first one, the Lafitte Guest House, you'll recognize that name from our pirate episode. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned it's is. located at the there quiet is. end yeah, of Bourbon Street. Is, to, is there to, a quiet yeah, end really, of Bourbon Street? Really, when you Street? get down to like, um, you know, Lafitte's blacksmith shop, you're, you're pretty far down Bourbon Street. But you actually have to go a little further than that uh, to get to this place. So um, it's, it's quieter down there. You know, when they start allowing traffic on the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, on the... The, the street again, because most of the time Bourbon Street is, is pretty locked up for foot traffic, you know. Uh, but w- later, when you get down the street, you'll find that cars are able to yeah. drive again. And that's called the quiet end of Bourbon Street. So where well, there are no st- strip bars or music clubs. So Got it. <laughs> Right, right. Uh, it's built in 1849, now divided into 14 rooms. Uh, one story claims that the ghost is the original lady of the house, but another claims that it's a woman who lost her two daughters here um, and haunts a particular room. And you mentioned there's many tales of a woman yeah, weeping. Yeah, it's just, a, it's so just, just another one of those, one of those spots. Just I mean, sad you know, ghost stories. so many ghosts. Uh, I think that, you know, you've noticed anybody who's gone down there always gets a kick, and we always take pictures of them. I don't know why. But when you're walking along and you see those uh, for sale signs, for the real estate signs that are hanging up underneath the balconies uh, for different properties. And sometimes they will say, they'll have an extra hanging tag that says, not haunted. <laughs> because you really need to clarify in New Orleans because there oh, are yeah. so many ghost stories, especially in the French Quarter. So it's not surprising, man. I couldn't, there's no way to list every single hotel that has a ghost story in it. I mean, there's just no way. Uh, but these were just mm-hmm. kind of the highlights. And um, yeah, so there, there's plenty. So there's there's lots more where that one came from. So anyway, right. go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, you're good. Uh, moving on. And- Andrew Jackson Hotel on Royal Street uses a boarding school that burned down, killing five boys inside. Uh, which is also depressing, but it served yeah, as the first right? U.S. Di- district court. Uh, Andrew Jackson's tried in this courthouse after declaring martial law as a military defense. Um, and I wanted to read this quote because it's so <laughs> funny. It said, when a senator expressed his unease about the order, Jackson had him arrested. A judge ruled that the senator should be released, and Jackson had the judge put in jail, too. And Jackson eventually lifts martial law. The judge released, charged Jackson with contempt of court, pays a $1,000 fine. That's just like, <laughs> he's just like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to, yeah, like, one up you yeah. even, you know, Tip, typical Andrew Jackson behavior. Well, I mean, you got to think that, you know, he was the military governor at the time. I mean, right. He was in charge when the city was under martial law. And in January of 1815, that was really necessary. But Jackson just kind of took his time, you know, <laughs> with everything right. and people weren't happy about it. So he showed them. Yes, he he did. So many believe the ghost to be the young boys who died in the fire. Said at least one ghost nicknamed Armand is known for pushing people out of bed, which is just a dick move. Um, (laughs) But mostly it's the sounds people hear, the laughter, the running footsteps, and even an occasional blood-curdling scream. So thanks for that, ghost. Uh Uh-huh, right. That'd make you definitely keep you up at night. So. Yeah, uh, the next one, Cornstalk Hotel. So next to next it's door, right Andrew next Jackson. door. Yeah, it's literally right, right next door. 
Yeah, next door on Royal Street. Um, and it's a famous cornstalk fence, a wrought iron fence made to look like rows of corn. And there's actually kind of like a cute story about why that fence might have been built yeah, there. Yeah, if, if it's, I mean, you know. That's Who knows? The, that's the story. We don't know if it's true. But, I mean, it is a cool fence. I mean, it is yeah. really cool. I mean, it's painted green and, you know, the corn is yellow. And, I mean, it's it, it, it looks like a metal rolled corn. So, I mean, it's a cool spot. It's just whether or not that story's true, I don't know. But right, it's, cool, right, it's a cool yeah. story anyway. Yeah, and the house is built for Judge Francois Xavier Martin. Legend has it that author Harriet Beecher Stowe once even stayed there with New Orleans helping to inspire um, Uncle Tom's Cabin. And then it was mentioned from 1816 to 1826, Judge Martin lived in the mansion with only a servant for company. Uh, eccentric and reclusive judge eventually went blind, even though he was known to still wander the streets of the French Quarter, <laughs> frequently getting lost. Yeah, there are a lot of, you noticed that I, you know, I, I, I put that in there and I laughed because there have been several nutty people in previous episodes that tended to wander around the streets of the French Quarter, um, like the... You know, the, the one kid that, the, you know, the one that committed suicide with the shoes all around the bathtub he used to oh, wander yeah. the French Quarter naked. And I mean, they're just a lot. I mean, you know, I mean, you're not really surprised if you've been there. You can see that the, you know, what goes on there now really has a history, you know, of people wandering in the streets. So there you go. This is another perfect example of that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And I mean, that's, yeah, the people wandering aimlessly through the French Quarter has definitely not <laughs> yeah. changed. I mean, right, right. Uh, I mean, we've been those people ourselves. <laughs> True. <laughs> this one is, how do you pronounce it? Olive, Olivier? Olivier Olive, House. The other thing Olivier. I liked about this ghost, the reason that they think that it's his ghost that haunts the house is because he like stumbles and falls into people's guest rooms. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, that's blind. That's, uh, it's, we shouldn't laugh, but it's. it's yeah, I know, funny. but it's it makes it funny when it's a ghost, you know. Right. So, but yes, the Olivier House. So. Olivier, so built mm -hmm. in 1838 by Marie Anne Olivier, uh, the widow of quote distinguished planter Nicholas Godfrey Olivier. Um, she seems like a badass. So married when yeah. she was only 16. They had nine kids before he died. Then she raises 12 kids because the three from his previous marriage. By 1836, she had 50 grandchildren, which is, <laughs> is amazing. Um, and then she dies. A couple of years later, the house is sold to a Felix uh, Labato. Yeah. And then two years later, uh, the French Opera House is built next door. And the house is eventually used for Union soldiers, turns into a hotel, kind of the classic story that we hear a mm -hmm. lot. And people claiming to see not only a woman in antebellum era clothing, but man in federal uh, military uniform, which makes sense. But the most famous right. ghost of the house, the spectral woman in black who wanders about the house and endlessly repeats the rosary. Yeah. Yeah. What is that all yeah, about? Uh, Elizabeth Lacoste, she was the she owned the house. She was a wealthy, her husband had died, she was a wealthy widow who managed his plantation, but uh, she owned the house during the war when the Union troops, you know, uh, took up residence there and, and tore the hell out of the place. And she had to fix it all and she kept it and kept it there uh, after she renovated, lived in the house until 1895. And it's thought to be her ghost. She was very religious, a devout Catholic um, and was super attached to the house, obviously. So that's why people think that it is her ghost, which makes sense. Um, but she's the woman in black who wanders around. And uh, a lot of people have, you know, who have seen her or claim to have seen her always think that she's just, I mean, she looks completely real. I mean, it's solid as, as a person. Mm -hmm. And they think that she is um, just some oddball guest you know, wandering around in a costume or something or someone who works there. And then, of course, she disappears and, you know, or they ask and, oh, no, there's no one like that here. That kind of thing. Um, right. So, yeah, it's thought to be her ghost that, that haunts the house or the, the inn. It's an inn now. So. Yeah. No, I mean, that makes sense. It's and it's the rosary is a kind of just a creepy addition to that. But I yeah, so I like too. it. Yeah, Moving on then. under your breath as you wander right. through the house. Right, right. Yeah, stumbling into guest rooms. Um, <laughs> so, uh, this is Fleur de Lis. The Fleur de Lis. The Fleur de Lis mansion. Fleur de Lis yeah. mansion. Um, and I'm, again, I'm, I'm working on the French pronunci pronunciations. People have called that out. And, uh, I know. We're, they we're have. trying well, here. We're trying. 
We're trying our best. That's a Greek but revival again, style house. You know, yep. if you don't like our, you know, if you don't like our French pronunciations, we're happy to give you a refund on what you spent for the podcast. <laughs> yes, oh, exactly. wait a minute. Right. So we're doing our best. We're, we're trying. Uh, Greek revival style house dates back to the 1820s and the soleils used by homeless people to stay warm in the 1990s, which eventually does some damage because they're lighting fires, which I mean, it makes sense. In the house. It's eventually going to yeah. happen. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Right. Uh, exactly. T- today, today it's a bed and breakfast and typical things like doors opening, closing on their own. But the, the best part is the man stands at the foot of the bed and watches people sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, lovely, huh? So. Yeah, I mean, talk about it's just like, you know, in addition to the turndown service, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It comes with the ghost who watches you sleep. So enjoy yeah. your room. Uh, hotel Pro- Provincial? Yeah, that's, that's okay. good. Yeah. Thank you. Got it. Okay. Royal yeah. Military Hospital uh, once occupied the grounds. And so staff members and guests have told of encounters with ghostly men on crutches, spectral, spectral doctors and surgeons, and even bloodstains that mysteriously appear and then vanish. Yeah. Even the How'd housekeeping like staff that? that. Yeah. How'd yeah. Like to find that in your house. Um, yeah, there is a church in Sharpsburg, Maryland. And I don't know why it always makes me think of this when I hear about bloodstains on the floor that disappear. Um, there's a church in Sharpsburg, Maryland, where the Battle of Antietam was fought during the war. And there are bloodstains on the floor of this church that they have never been able to remove, no matter what they do. Wow. Um, there, yeah, there's no possible way to remove them. And whether or not that's anything ghostly or not, and people have given it sort of a supernatural, um, you know, connotation. Or I, I don't know. I, you know, I'm not sure exactly what the right word for that would be, but they've linked it to the supernatural just because there it seemed to be impossible to move. The church was used as a hospital during the battle, but um, they, they they don't vanish. They just have reappeared and won't go away. And uh, so it made me think of this when I was working on this and I wrote that thing down. And, you know, they were also talking about, you know, bloodstained sheets on the beds and things. I mean, can you imagine being a cleaning person at one of these places, you know, be a nightmare. <laughs> I'd be worse than being a guest that gets frightened and these people have to deal with it on a regular basis. You know, that's why I think there's so many stories about haunted hotels and, um, you know, there being certain rooms in certain hotels. When I was working on that cabinet of curiosities four book about the haunted hotels, I kept finding hotel after hotel after hotel that would have rooms that they don't rent out to guests uh, that they don't ever talk about. They just those rooms are just not available because uh, the, the the housekeeping staff won't go in them because of the things that happen. You know, lights turning on and off, and you know, being touched and all kinds of stuff. But you know, it's it's a lot more common than people think. They just don't know about it because they're just not told. It's it's like. Um, that movie, the uh, 1408, 1408. Yep. yeah, that they don't rent out that room, not because people, you know, kill, kill themselves in them normally. It's just because that these rooms, the, the staff won't deal with them. So they just don't rent them out because they're said to be so haunted. And, um, you know, these hotels in New Orleans, though, I mean, they advertise that. <laughs> right. Know? Because right. that's why you come to New Orleans. A lot of people come to New Orleans just for that reason. So it turns out to be a good thing. Yeah, I mean, if it works in your favor, I mean, why yeah, not? exactly. All right, now we have uh, Dauphine Orleans. Yeah. Is that, was yeah. that right? Yeah. All right. All right. Parts of which date back to 1775, including what is called the Audubon Cottage, where artist John James Audubon painted his Birds of America in 1821. I'd seen that before, but I couldn't, I didn't know that's what it was yeah, called. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, he did a whole book of yeah. paintings of... I mean, he, you know, I mean, we've all heard of the Audubon Society and all that stuff. I mean, that's that's who it's yeah. based off of. And he did this complete collection of paintings of the Birds of America at the time. I mean, this was done in the 1820s and people still use it today as far as a reference goes is for birds. Uh, so it's uh, it's pretty phenomenal. It's a it's a great another great connection to, you know, literary and art in New Orleans. And we'll, we'll get more of that later on. But. Yeah, but that's where the the Audubon stuff comes from. But he doesn't haunt the place, so he's not one of the ghosts. Right, right. But somebody yeah. does. So we have May Bailey's, the, the hotel bar is an apparition of a man in a white suit who frequently pranks patrons, <laughs> and that's just that's just yeah. fun. Um, suite 111, located above the bar, as objects move on their own, and the spirit of a man named George. 
And then Sweet 110 is home to a ghost that doesn't really seem to like guests because he just keeps messing yeah. with them. Yeah, they, uh, they can't open the door. It's unlocked. It, and, and, you know, early in the morning, he'll open up the curtains or pull the covers off the beds. And then, again, this is just what I was just talking about with the housekeeping staff. They're, they're stuck getting yeah. the, the worst of it. You know, they're the ones who have to deal with the room and being and cleaning the room and having, you know, the lights turn off and on on them and doors lock and stick and all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a cool little spot, too. It's a nice place. Yeah, I definitely want to check it out if we ever yeah, get to I'm go no back. kidding, right? Uh, moving on, the building that now holds the Columns Hotel was built in 1883 by tobacco merchant Simon Hernsheim. It was uh, used for the filming the movie Pretty Baby, which I have yeah, not seen it's, before. Uh, you're but, not missing anything, honestly. Um, yeah. It was, um, I believe it was like Brooke Shields' first movie, and she's like 12 in it, and she's playing a prostitute. Oh, wow. It's, uh, oh, yeah, it's, um, it's not, it would hardly be called a classic, and... It's definitely one of those movies that was of its time, and now you look back on it and you get that weird, you know, the weird vibe that comes from stuff that, you know, is completely... Doesn't age No, it well. doesn't age well. It's completely wrong now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, but if you ever want to just see the hotel, uh, you can look up the movie. Mm-hmm. So it's, we're taking a look, I guess. Got it. Yeah, and that ghost is believed to be Simon, uh, perhaps distraught over the premature death of his beloved wife. He simply just fell apart. He said he's been encountered hundreds of times over the years, and the description of the ghost given by guests perfectly matches the former owner. And then there's also the woman in white that is seen, but only on the outside, as if she's not able to get in. So that's just another just sad Uh story. I know, right? Okay, so this next one, Hotel Montilion. Good. Yes, located <laughs> on Royal Street, very close to Cafe Beignet, yes. which is like the one thing I remember from going <laughs> to New Orleans when I was like seven, um, that and the voodoo right, doll that right. I got. <laughs> um, operated by the Montelion family since 1886, and you mentioned Tennessee Williams, Truman Capote, William Faulkner, all of whom have popped up sometimes as ghosts <laughs> in our last episode, all lived at the hotel. Um, tell me about this rooftop carousel yeah, bar it's that cool. they have. It's cool. It's it's. Famous. I mean, it's famous all over the world. Um, it's one of those things. We'll have to do that next time just to go upstairs. It's just cool. It's a revolving um, bar on top, uh, on the rooftop of the hotel. And uh, they've got a big pool up there. It's nice. I mean, it's very nice, but the hotel rota- rotates. It is, I believe, the, oh, no, the hotel doesn't, the bar does. <laughs> wow. Uh, right, I just right. got that saying it. the hotel rotates. But uh, but it's one. It's pr- I think the tallest building in the French Quarter for sure. Um, I'm 99 percent sure on that. But you get a good view of everything, and since it rotates, you can see everything. I mean, it's it's pricey, but it's it's a fun place to visit. Just to at least say you've done it. So we'll have to we'll have to do that next yeah. time. Are there any rules in the French Quarter about like buildings not being able to be taller? Um, than I don't know. There there might be something. now, but I mean that place was built well in 1886. So um, now I don't, there probably are because you'll find taller buildings across canal, but you really don't find any tall buildings in the French quarter. That's the tallest. I mean, there are others that are several Mm -hmm. floors, but that's definitely the tallest one. Right. And you said um, the home to at least a dozen ghosts. And I like this quote. Among the personalities <laughs> believed to linger here, a man named William Windmere, uh, who died in the hotel, the ghost of a jazz singer, a naked man in a Mardi Gras mask. <laughs> yeah. And many who died originally returned to the hotel spirit of a 10 year old boy who plays hide and seek with another ghostly child. I was thinking the naked man in the Mardi Gras <laughs> mask, like that might not be a ghost. Yeah, right. Just right. Be, he just keeps showing you up. Know. You know, he just checks in every every year, comes back for Mardi Gras, you yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay, moving on now. The Hotel Villa Convento, um, located near the Ursuline Convent, built around 1833, owned by Jean-Baptiste Pofer. Uh So Jimmy Buffett lived there. Yeah, That's when it was an fun. apartment building. Yeah, he was living in an apartment there when he was first playing music in new orleans when he had you know decided that that's what he wanted to do with his life his play music came there and that's uh, where he was living so right and said scores of guests have encountered the resident spirit of the building a former brothel madam who makes it a point to knock on guest room doors every 20 minutes as she did <laughs> in life letting her girls know the time was up 
Um, that's really funny. I'd kind of be in, insulted, I guess, but um, no, that, that's funny. Uh, the next one, Le Pavilion Hotel. So this is one you threw in, but even though it's across yeah, Canal Street. Yeah, I was trying Street, to keep it just uh, the French Quarter, but this this is an interesting place. Um, well out of my price range, but it's an interesting place. And it had a, you know, yeah, the, good story. Have you stayed? Have you no, stayed there? For, did you no. go for the Napoleon Bonaparte no, uh, bathtub? No, 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 no. I've never stayed there. I've been in there in the lobby, but I've never stayed there. And so the most popular ghost is Ada. It's a teenage girl reportedly set uh, to board a ship with her family when she was killed by a runaway carriage. Um, the hotel staff often sees her wandering the lobby, crying, wearing a black dress, long black shawl, wearing a black hat. And more than once, she's literally bumped into guests, saying to them, pardon me, I'm very lost, uh, before they can offer to help. She vanishes. Um, that's just another, yeah. another sad story. Yeah, I know. I, and I then, know, but it is a cool story, though, because that one's easy to imagine. You know what I mean? You, oh, it's sure. definitely one that you can you can think about and see it, almost see it happening. You know, it's, it's I just like that story. Right. And you also mentioned other guests reported a wealthy looking couple who usually appear on the second, third or fourth floors dressed in clothing from the 1920s, always holding hands, walking towards the elevators. The man smokes a cigar. Many have reported the pungent smoke lingering in the air. This reminds me of like the howls from Gilligan's <laughs> well, Island. Yeah, except that what I didn't add is that this woman is considerably younger than the man. So it's believed to oh. be that it's probably his mistress that he used to meet her there at Got the hotel. It. So. So no, not God. the house. It okay. would be Let's... Mr. Howell and Marianne. So, you know, just. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, then now the story is not as cute, <laughs> no, but um, no. yeah, that's funny. And I'm going to guess like, this has definitely has some history and some fun things, but did you include this one just because, just because it has its own the, like resurrection? Yeah, just Mary? because of the hitchhiker that vanished from the car. That was the only reason I included it, but it's a cool story. So, you know, I stuck it in there at the end. So, Yeah. Right. Well, is there anything else you wanted to add about no, any of these hotels you know, I, or any other hotels stayed, you left out? I was out? trying to think. I've stayed at a lot of different places, in it, and um, there's a place, and a, then for the life of me, could not remember the name of, of the place that we had stayed a couple of years ago. And it was, a, it was oh, man, I, I wish I could ask Lisa. She'd probably remember, but I can't remember the name of the place. But it was, it was nice, and we stayed there with a group of friends, and you know, had a little pool and everything. And I know that it was haunted because the it part of it used to be a house, and then they had added on like some wings where the hotel was. And um, Kalila Smith, who does the haunted history tours, had told me that the house part of it was haunted. That the woman who'd owned it used to appear there. And uh, for the life of me, can't remember the name of that hotel. But it was real weird because we checked out, and when I was checking out, I was paying for the, the whole group. And when we were checking out, the guide said, boy, this is, uh, we've never had a credit card charge this much before. Oh, brother. Okay, and they didn't, they didn't like have like <laughs> anything on computer or anything. It was just real, you know, real backward. And um, so the charge, we ran the charge, everything was fine, we left. And then when we tried to go back there next year, they wouldn't return our phone calls. We, we, we didn't oh. do anything. I don't, I don't know what right. the problem was because we liked the hotel. But uh, for whatever reason, they, they, didn't, they didn't ever call us back. So we haven't been back there. Uh, but, yeah, I can't, I can't remember the name of it. But I know that it was, it was also supposed to be haunted. But it didn't, it didn't make the cut of the, of the episode because I can't remember the name. I, oh man! You've had some issues with hotels <laughs> oh, man, and charges and stuff. I know. Well, there. I always say. I mean, it's a you know, this is a city that you know, a history of a city that you know were thieves. I mean, this is who started the town. So you know, it's it's gonna right. be in their DNA. And yeah, they've run into a lot of problems with that kind of thing with hotels and stuff down there. But you know, but it still doesn't stop me from going back. You know, and it's never that bad. Sure. But yeah, there, there. But there are a lot of cool places to stay. I mean, the the stuff that I listed here were all places that I would, you know, recommend to stay. You know, I didn't put any in there that were really bad because I, I really haven't had terrible experiences with anything other than just, you know, <laughs> just poor service. You know, that'd be about it. Just people, you know, ripping you off in one way or another. But otherwise, you know, I can't complain. And uh, these were all just fun. 
fun locations. This was kind of a story. This is this is before the rest of the season gets really dark. This was this is kind of our last fun right. story because after that it's just going to be murders and Katrina and you know stuff like that for the rest of the season. So this was kind of like our our dinner and spirits episode, our last episode before this one was kind of a light, upbeat. You know, and this one is too. I mean, a few sad stories here and there, of course, but um, but yeah, the rest of the season's got to be super dark. So I just thought we'd have fun with this one. Yeah, no, I may think it's a good it's a good way to to end that, and then I'm here for the dark stuff. You oh know? yeah, I'm, no, I'm me too. Some, I know everybody, everybody will be. So I think we'll be all of that will be fine. It's just that you know we're gonna see where things go from here, but. I yeah. promise they'll be dark. Awesome. So. Nice. All right. Well, we'll give the people what they want then. <laughs> All right. Well, it is now time for our Ghostwriter segment. So if you have a question or comment about the world of the macabre, you can email us at AmericanHauntingsPodcast at gmail.com. And this first one comes to us from Logan. He says, I enjoy the show and I bought a couple of Troy's books and look forward to reading them during this quarantine. I just finished listening to the podcast episode about John Lafitte. I must say I really enjoyed this one and I thought it was very entertaining as well as informative. I just have a quick question. Um, is there a movie or anything that talks about his history yeah, or similar story about his life? If yeah, if not, I think there should be. Thanks again, guys. Hope you're staying safe. Keep up the great work. Yeah, it's an, it just would be a it fun would. story for somebody to, so to turn into yeah, something. I don't know why. I mean, if there has been, I'm not aware of it. Um, if, if, if there has, it mm-hmm. had to have been a really long time ago. Uh, but I'm, I'm not aware yeah. of anything. But, yeah, I think it would make a, a cool movie. You know, it would be much better than, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean or something. It would, I think, make a, make, right. make a cool movie. Well, maybe if they start making movies ever again, we yeah, can try and yeah, get your story yeah, optioned or something. Yeah, because at this point, I, uh, you know, nothing's getting done. So I guess we'll see. I know. I haven't been to the movie theater in so long, and I used to go literally at least once a I week, know. if not yeah, more. Yeah, you went and, for work. Uh, I mean, I'd been going once a week, yeah. and now everything that I went to see— because I said, remember I said, you know, if a horror movie comes out, I'm going to the theater, even if it sucks, Fantasy Island— and uh, I went to see a lot of stuff. And then now every bit of the stuff that I saw is available to watch at home <laughs> already because right. it's been so long since I've been to the theater. And then everything I wanted to see has gotten postponed. So yeah. I know uh, the last movie I saw in theaters was Bloodshot. And I feel like that's just a oh, terrible way to like yeah. end, end my <laughs> movie theater going experience. Mine was Fantasy Island. Uh, so it, that's even worse. Yeah, yeah. Trust me. So. Yep. Oh, all right. Well, thanks for writing in. This next one's from George. He says, I drive for Uber Eats. This gives me many hours to enjoy your podcast. I started at the beginning um, and into the St. Louis episodes now. Really enjoyed the show, but you knew there'd be a but. Um, Said, possibly in these early shows, keep hearing a little kid's voice in the background. I think Cody would agree. It's a bit creepy and a bit distracting. That's all. Carry on. Um, I don't know if we should spoil it for George. We have talked about this before. Um, where those things come yeah, but from. Yeah, so I don't know if, if he's in the St. Louis episodes, it just may be Lux. But otherwise, oh, that's true. yeah, but otherwise, as the further along he goes, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the further along you go, you'll start to. I don't know if I, I guess I'll spoil it for him, but we re- we record a lot of times at the Best Western uh, Premier Hotel in Alton, and for whatever reason, whenever we're recording, there's a there's a pool there, and like whatever we start recording, it's when kids are like, "All right, time to scream," and <laughs> yeah. they just they just they're hopping around in the pool and they're freaking out, losing their shit, and so a lot of times I think that that kind of comes yeah. through. Um, in the recordings, and we, we reference it every now and then. But yeah, you're, so you're not losing your mind. There are definitely little kid voices in the background <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I think we have an explanation mm-hmm. for all those. Okay, well, I think we'll wrap this episode up um, because we don't want to, I don't want this to be one of our marathon two-hour episodes and then find out that everything that we did didn't get recorded right or something. So this is still a right. bit of a new thing for us and hopefully it will not last too long uh, that we have to record in separate places. But um, anyway, thank you guys for listening, sticking with us through uh, all of the things that are going on. Uh, hopefully you'll continue to share the show with your friends, review us on iTunes, all that jazz. Check out some of the new stuff we've got coming up, uh, events that are coming later in the year. 
Um, keep your ears tuned for news about the conference and maybe check out the check out the books I did during the quarantine uh, because we've still got some time to be locked away and you may still need a book to read. So uh, who knows? Check it out. See what you find. So anyway, that's it for me. And uh, we'll thank you guys again. And we'll uh, talk to you soon. All right. Until next yeah. time. Goodbye. So long. And, and this episode of the American Onyx Podcast is written by Troy Taylor. It. It's produced and edited by me, Cody Beck. In each bi-weekly episode, we try to combine history, folklore, legend, imagination, and the truth to reveal more about America's most haunted places, strange tales, and unexplained events. You can find the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite shows, and at American Hauntings Podcast. Podcast.com, where we have show notes, more info about the episodes, and links to more from American Hauntings. Because American Hauntings isn't just a podcast, it's books, yeah, lots tours, of books. and events books sometimes. And books sometimes. Right now, so. Yes, and and more. And our main website is AmericanHauntings.net. And if you want even more from us, you can become a supporter of the podcast on Patreon. You can get bonus episodes of the show, t-shirts, discounts, great stuff in the mail, and more. And thanks to our supporters, we've upgraded our equipment for the show and continued help from you. We can dedicate more time and resources to create even more shows in the future so take a minute check it out solitary confinement what else are we gonna do what else we gonna do check that out at patreon.com slash american hauntings be sure to get in touch if you have any comments about the show suggestions reviews jokes or just want to tell us what you really think of us we're reachable mostly just digital (laughs) now you know really nothing else the pigeons have all died (laughs) um you know, we're, yeah, no we're messages no, in no telegrams are being delivered. Yeah, so. Nope. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, get in touch with us uh, in a safe social distancing way. And uh, until next time, goodbye. So long. so long. See you later. See ya. All right.